So it's good to see Pastor. I'm a little concerned to see Pastor, but it, I guess it's good to, for him to be out here and just relaxing a little and taking the weekend off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it's not not a great way to do it. Okay, uh, I talked to Pastor uh, this past week about uh, doing a series. And uh, this series is actually, it's not my own work. It's somebody else's. Uh, it's very good. And uh, it's actually, there's nine lessons in it. If we get to all nine, I'm not sure, but we'll see how it all goes. Lord willing. But actually what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. So turn to Galatians chapter 5. Verses 20, verse 22. So. Now there's going to be a lot of reading in here, and most of which I'll do, uh, cause there's good, some good information we're dealing with. So. Galatians 5.22 says and make sure I get in the right spot here there we are it says uh, in verse 22 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness faith in verse 23, uh, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Against such there is no law. So let's, let's pray. I pray, Lord, that you just give me, uh, wisdom in, in dealing with this subject. Um, many of the things that I've had to learn through many years and, uh, and there's some, um, I'm learning continually and, and that's part of, I guess, living a life where the world changes around you, but you realize that you need to be steadfast in what you've been taught and what you've learned and what you've read. And I pray, Lord, it helped me to do so, help me to teach this in a way that uh, would be a blessing to everyone and be a help for everyone and as well as a help for myself. And so, Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us on the cross and the fact that you've given us a book that we can rely on that we can go to, we can stand on the Word of God, Lord. Thank you for everything you've given us in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the fruit of the Spirit. There are nine different fruits spoken singularly as fruit. The reason for this is apparent as they come from a same source. Turn to John chapter 15, verse 1. Now, I'm not going to do a lot of turning in my Bible because this, my fingers don't always work well, so I got it all copied out here. So this way you don't have to have extra stuff when you got your Bible and you can just take care and read it there. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, 
that it may bring forth much fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. So, we see that we have this source through Christ, and he is that vine. These fruit are a result of obedience by the Christian to the commandments of Romans chapter 12. So turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to read a couple there. Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at uh, 12, 1 and 2. And you know this, especially our pastor know this. This is his favorite verse, and it's a good one. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Look at 13.14. So go to Romans 13.14. It says, But put ye on... Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the uh, lusts thereof. There's a lot there. I mean, you you have to walk that walk, so there's no provision for that problem. So we see in this that... uh these fruit are that is a result of obedience by a Christian in the commandments of what we've read in, well, Romans chapter 12 and 13. Fruit in the Christian life brings character in distinction from gifts which are the manifestation of God's power. In Ephesians chapter 4, turn there, and keep a finger in uh, 12, 13 area. So we're going to come back to that. But in Ephesians chapter 4, in uh, verse 8, it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now that he's ascended, what is it that he also descended first? into the lower parts of the earth. He that descendeth is the same that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things that uh, he gave. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then Romans chapter 12, and you're back there at verse 4. And so we see here that both character and power are essential for the Christian life if he is to serve or she 
the Lord successfully in Romans chapter 4, or uh, verse, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 8. For as many mem- for we are many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every, and everyone's members one of another, having uh, then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the portion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, and he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, and he that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So we see in those things, oh, I didn't remind myself, and I didn't remind you. Oh boy. Here we go. So silence them, please. I gotta figure out how I do mine. Here it is. Getting used to my Apple phone. So, So we see that uh, there is much fruit, or where there is much fruit, the tree will be bowed down and humble. So the more fruit we get and in, in, in culture that fruit and purge that fruit in our lives and things will produce more fruit. And you know, it does, it bows down in humility. And we can do things to help others much more. So, remember what the... F- Fruits are the nine fruits. What's it start out with? Love. Then there's joy and peace. Then long suffering and gentleness, goodness, and uh, faith, and then meekness, and then temperance. Now, the first three of the fruits are inward, those are inward. The second three are outward. Going out to others, to our children, to our neighbors, to people we meet on the street, and stuff like that. And sometimes those meetings aren't always, hey, hi, how are you? They're, well, you cut me off. <laughs> or, you know, I was first, you know. And the, the last three fruits are God word. Going towards God. So we're going to try to hit all those. <clears throat> so before we discuss discuss the first ones, let me get all my papers in a row here. Yes. So before we discuss that, uh, we see that we must come to a biblical definition of the word love. Is an, it is an intellectual decision and a commitment that has no end. Love may produce feelings, but love is not a feeling in itself. I, so thus, the fallacy of infatuated phrase, you know, falling in love, they're infatuated. Uh, we find in in First Peter it says First uh, Peter, chapter one, 
verse 22, and I'll just read it. Seeing ye have puffed your souls, are pure, I see, yeah, puffed. We have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. So we see this, that we see that the, the intellectual decision is not that feeling. It has to be work done. It has to be produced from you to others, and it also has to come back from to you from others, too. That it is, uh, well, just as the wedding vows are of, a Christian, uh, of Christian couples. Or a good example, it says... Uh, what really, uh, what love really is, the vows include to love her, to comfort her, to honor and keep her in sickness and in health, and also obey him and serve him, love him, honor him, and keep him in sickness and in health. The vows emphasize love as a commitment as a commitment and a decision regardless of the feelings of both parties in the circumstances that may surround their love. Love is, well, turn to Colossians first off. Colossians chapter 3. Love is the first on the list of the fruit of spirit of the Spirit, thus showing its great importance. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all, these things are, are on, above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And then First Peter chapter 4, you, you don't have to turn there. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. So we're, we're seeing there that, that those commitments, those vows, you know, they emphasize love and the commitment, you know, regardless of the feelings of both properties, uh, parties, and the circumstances which surround their love. Love, again, is the first fruit of the Spirit. So we see the Philadelphian church um, found uh, found in Revelation chapter 3 is the greatest of the seven churches mentioned in Philadelphia means brotherly love. Our example and pattern for God's love the greatest love of all is in John 3.16. John 3.16. You know that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. 
But God commendeth his love toward us in what? In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What is a yet sinner? Somebody hasn't sinned yet? And before we were even here, it realizes they were all taken care of through Christ's blood, even for us before we were even born. Yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then Jeremiah, oh, I think I left that one out. I lost that one there. Oh, there it is. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved ye with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have, uh, have I drawn thee. So God is always, of course, he knows in his foreknowledge who would be saved. He knows. So in that, he knows, and he applies it to everyone. He also knows who won't accept him. So, but God's love goes out to all of them. But his mercy and justice has to take care of everyone by the merits of what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross. So we see that uh, when Christ, when Christians follow God's plan for their lives and obey God's word, the genuine love of God is shed abroad in the Christian's heart. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Which reads, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope and of the glory of God, not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. That's the hard ones. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience. And experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because of the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the uh, Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And then Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, you don't have to turn there. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us in, a, for, in, an, in us an offering and uh, sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Sweet-smelling savor. So we see there that in Ephesians, it also tells us that the Christian is to walk in love. The love of God is to motivate the believer, uh, believer's entire being and purpose in all aspects of his life. We will now discuss five different loves, five different loves that the believer should have. These five different loves spring forth from the same source, even though they manifest in very different ways from one another. So five different loves. So 
The obedient Christian is number one. They love God. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. First Corinthians chapter eight says, but if any man love God, the same is known of him. You're close by in Ephesians, turn to Ephesians chapter six, Ephesians chapter six. It says, grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Insincerity. John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, you keep my commandments. You've heard that one before. You know that. And in 2 Timothy, henceforth, and this is before 8, so chapter 4, verse 8, eight henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day. Not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Love his appearing. Are you looking forward to that? I know I am as I get older. You know, I, I was always dreaming, okay, I want to wait till, you know, Lord, Help me to wait. You, you, you hold my life and I want to go up when we're called. I want to go up. Now that I'm older, Lord, I'd like to see you now. So my wife says, not yet. We got bills to pay. But yet, as I get older, I, because I'm seeing such wickedness all the time. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to the Lord. And if God calls us home individually before he calls everyone, I'll be happy. I'll be happy. So think on those things because those are things that are obvious in everybody's life as they get older that we've got to this point. You know, I've lived a lot of things. I've done a lot of things, you know, and I try to bring people along. I try to witness wherever I can. We camp next to somebody and I've already got them looking at me because I told them, you know, how you doing? He says to me, and I go better than I deserve. And he goes, and you've heard this before, say that saying. You've heard that saying before? Better than I deserve. And it's the truth. It's better than we deserve. And he looks, oh, you did see, you deserve better than that. I said, no, I don't. I deserve hell. And he goes, well, I like to do a little hell too, you know. I says, that's not what it is. And I gave him a little bit of encouragement in the, by my memory in, in some scripture and say, you know, it's not what it is, buddy. So he, and then boy, he changed his whole demeanor. So when, it, when I, I pull out or come back in, if we're doing something and then 
he sees me, he turns around right away. And You know, the Gospel, the Bible, the Word of God is offensive to those that break it. Now, when I break it, I can flee to it. And I can draw strength from it. So, God loves us. It's the first one for an obedient Christian. That they love God, and God loves us back. But He first loved us. So I haven't been able to catch up. Because He keeps loving me more. And when I stumble and fall, He loves me again. Picks me up. The obedient Christian loves God's Word. Look at John chapter 14, verse 23. Time-wise, we're doing good. So we're going to read some of these. John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And it's not just commandments, it's words. Because there's some that are just direct commandments, but there's also a lot of words in there too that are all over and around and surrounding those commandments too. Keeps my words. And my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. That's a promise. It's a promise in the heart because it comes in salvation. There's also a future promise there. Because we will go to him and he will abide with him. And then Psalms 119.40. It's just a short one, so I'll just read it quick. Thy word is pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. Get in love with your Bible. Because it's God's word to us. And when, if you're in love with your word of God, you're in love with Him. And it works. And if you approach it just with love, you know, and not just, oh, I didn't read my Bible, so I gotta do this. You know, I, I gotta tell you, I don't always read it as much as I should now because busy doing things and stuff like that. But, uh, man, when I was at work, I had time to read my Bible. I had to have a break time, I'd read my Bible. I have lunchtime, I'd read my Bible. Then we had another afternoon break, I'd read my Bible. You know, there'd still be conversations with the guys I worked with and things like this. I was in a shop. I was on the floor. You know, I worked with my hands all my life. So, but God's Word... He gave me so much even at work that I could use in it to help me be a witness to those that are around me. So stay in it. Get into it. You don't have to read it cover to cover, you know, in one month or something like that. Just read it. Just read a verse every day and try to memorize it. You know, as you get older, it gets harder. So do it while you're young. So, an obedient Christian also loves his family. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. 
Some of these are very obvious, you know that. But yet it's there. And it's to show you to stay in it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. It shouldn't be your job. It shouldn't be your hobby. It shouldn't be fishing or hunting. Which are all fine. Like them a lot, but don't love them. Okay? And have a good time in them, but always God first. It says, again, that we are to love our wives. Even as Christ also loved the church. Why would that statement be in there? Because there's a comparison in there. Because we are a spouse to Jesus Christ. The church is a spouse to Jesus Christ. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 28, down a little bit. So up men to love their wives as their own bodies. Oh, come on, man. You know. Look at it. Worked on that for a while, you know. I had a young lady say to me, you color your hair. I say, yes, I do. Just so I look as old as I feel. Because this is white and that's not white yet. There's little strands in there. So, ought men to love their wives as their own, uh, as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Nevertheless, this is verse 33. Let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself in the wife see that she, ooh, there's that word again, reverence her husband. Now that doesn't mean to bow down, but respect his leadership in the home. Respect that leadership. And if you're leading the right way, she has no reason not to. So, loves his family. And then we have Titus chapter 2, verse 4. Got plenty of time. Go ahead and turn there. Titus chapter 2, verse 4. We also have Colossians 3.20. You can find both of those. And the last one I'll read before we go back to Titus 2.4. In 1 Corinthians 13.7, He says, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. So there's a lot of things we're going to have to bear. There's a lot of things we have to believe. And and we hope on many things and we endure many things as a Christian. That's not just the marriage. That's as a Christian. And that has to do with health. That has to do with finances. That has to do with all kinds of things. Because it says... All things. Titus chapter 2 verse 4. It says uh, that they may teach young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. I'm seeing, of course, we got the issue where, you know, not loving your husband anymore. Not, But the thing that's getting me is they don't love their children. And they abandon their children. I mean... 
Drugs, <coughs> excuse me, drugs have a lot to do with that. Because they're so attached to them, that's what they worship. That's what they need. They think they physically need those drugs. And those drugs make them feel that way. You know, of course, I am not speaking by experience. I'm speaking by observation. And what I've seen in my own family and other people that I know and the fact that there's so many things for the lost to take them away from the love of their family. And they reject it. <clears throat> it could be wealth. That wandering eye has to be supported by something. And it's usually supported by wealth. And what it does is it gets men in trouble all the time. And not only that, it also gives women in trouble. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things. <clears throat> all things. For one thing, it's for your safety. Especially as you get older, there's decisions that older uh, young children, you know, adolescent, past high school, say, let's say college age, high school to college age, they have to make good decisions because it means their future too. And that future should not be driven by what kind of school they go to directly or wealth they can make or connections that they can make. But yet, is that a school that's not going to shape, shape them and mold them into somebody that's against God and takes away their faith? So there's decisions to be made and go to your parents and get help. Go to your individual pastor, like Brother, Brother uh, Stewart, Pastor Stewart. Talk to him about it, young people. Bring your parents along too. This is, I got to make a decision here. What do I do? Investigate. Make sure you're doing this with both eyes open. Both eyes open. So, children, obey your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. So, we see that that Christian loves his family. And we're supposed to be able to give ourselves for our family too. Fourth, an obedient Christian loves the brethren. You know what? There's a lot of brethren that I've run across that I try to love. And it says to love them, so okay, I'll love them. But a lot of that love is just kind of a toleration because they're off in left field sometimes. Because they, for one thing, they may not be living any of the fruit of the Spirit in their life. Now, a newly saved one is just great to be around. Because, yeah. yeah, they're making mistakes, 
But you can be there to gently love them to the right path. To show them. To encourage them. To be a mentor. And they, you know, as an older Christian, that's what we're all supposed to do with the younger Christians, including children, our own children, or somebody else's children, if they so ask. So to be that mentor. So, but the brethren, and I have lots of people that I've known in the past who are just not serving the Lord anymore. And it's a heartbreak. I see what we used to do. We see we used to go out soul winning together. We see used to hang around each other. We even did mission trips together and they're not doing anything for God. It's hard. And then I've had people <clears throat> that are still in the thing and it's just, oh, you guys are still at it? It's a blessing to them. Yeah. You know, maybe we're not doing all we used to do, but we're trying to do everything we used to do. Turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Then we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4 after that. So 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 14. It says, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Wow. Ouch. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Wow. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Well, I haven't done that yet. But as God still tarries, what are we in for? We don't know what we're in for before he finally calls us. Finally calls, come up hither, and that trumpet blows. This world could be getting a lot worse in some ways. Because we can see out in the world how people are treating each other. You already know what has happened in Portland. I mean, they even in Seattle try to create a city within the city and call it something else and have their own government and everything. And, and it's really sad that the governor up north and the governor south couldn't realize that they should have stopped it. They could have stopped it and kept it from being out of control. But you have the whole Antifa movement, which is just all of a sudden being absorbed into the population that now you can't really tell the difference in some ways who's Antifa and who's not because it's becoming a general thought. So... Hereby we perceive we love the God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. 
but also, or whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? So far, I haven't seen that here. That's good. But I've seen and heard of other churches that has done that. They've done that. Yes, well, he he's just abusing and stuff like that. But uh, there's ways you can help him that will be in ways to sustain him and get him through something. And First uh, John chapter four, verse twenty. If a man say, "I love God and hateth his brother," he is a liar, for he loveth not his brother whom he hath seen. How can we love God, whom hath not, whom he hath not seen? In this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. If God loves him, we need to love him. They're a brother. We're going to see him. We're going to see him for eternity. Of course. A lot of things will be resolved in an instant when we all go up. But yet, everybody has different personalities. Everybody has ways that they're dealing with some things. Some people can be very abrasive. Other people could be very melancholy and have to be drawn in, has to be loved to help them. They all have to be loved to help. You have to love me so I can get through this. And tell you that through this, this is difficult for me since the stroke I had. But God is good. He got me through that, all right? And people here, I know, prayed. People here prayed. That's a testimony. I had people all across the nation that, that found out about it, I heard. John chapter 13, verse 35. I'll I'll just read it. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4 to start with. But let me read John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have love for one another. If you're in a church in, I don't see it as much in small churches because it might be just small little fires, you know. But in big churches, there's this group, and then there's this group, and then there's this group, and this group. And that's who they stick with. You know, and there's factions, you know. Uh, some people want to run the church. The other group is mad because that they know that that other group wants to run the church. And somebody doesn't like the curtains, so they got their group. So some are saying, why don't we have curtains in here? You know, why is this like that? You know, and I don't see this here. Honestly, I'm not seeing this here. But I've seen it in other churches. So things like that take place. So we need to love one another in this, you know, Keep our comments to God. You don't have to make any comments to anybody else. Not even to your own group. 
Address your comments to God. Ephesians chapter 4. I got to turn there because this was an add-in for me. Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 1, it says, it says, Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, uh, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherein you were called. You are called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. We got to bear, bear each other up when somebody's having a hard time. And not bear down on them. First, uh, First Thessalonians chapter four, verse nine says, "But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another." We're taught that. So he's trying to say, you know, it is obvious. It is obvious. And finally, number five, the obedient Christian loves a lost and dying world. We know, well, John 3.16, all together. Let's quote John 3.16. Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So, do you believe? You know, do you believe that God wants you to be a witness? Do you believe that God has instructed us in the Word of God, His Word, His letter to us, to be out there to share the gospel? I'm hearing some of you. It's all our responsibility, not just the pastor, not just a deacon, not just an evangelist. Not an, you know, it's our responsibility. It, we're not to leave it on just individuals that we think should be taught that and have been trained. If you want training, just take the Word of God and read it. You'll see it. Get out there. I had a pastor up in Tenino. He'd go into the store to pick up something at a local little store and he'd take tracks and stick them in the paper beer cases. Stuff them in there so that if they went and bought their beer, they'd get a track. So I do funerals for uh, emergency services uh, as a chaplain. 
and I get opportunities to uh, do these funerals by a family. I, I say, you know, I, I tell them I'm, I'm a preacher, I'm not a pastor, but I'll do your funeral, but I'm going to do it this way. Are you okay with that? And I've never been turned down. But here's another thing I do. If I hand out a track, and uh, I, if, if it doesn't have a name on it or a church name on it, like this church here, because I, I hand a lot of them up there with this church name on it, I put my name on it, and I put my phone number on it, especially for a funeral. I says, here's my name and number. If you have any questions regarding, because I give them the whole plan of salvation. If you got questions, call me. You can call me and ask for help. You can call me and yell at me. I don't care. Because I know if they're calling back to me and yelling at me, it's hitting them. And I'll just try to talk to them. Maybe they'll hang up on me. Maybe they'll listen. I don't know. I haven't had anybody call me back, so they've taken it. And listen to that track or read that track or just... Maybe they put it away and they'll pick it up sometime, another time and look at it. But we're called a witness. Psalms chapter 126. Turn there. We're almost finished. This is uh, in Psalms 126, verse 5 and 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless, doubtless, doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now you can just listen from here on in. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. The Lord saying, But I say unto you, which hear... Love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 39. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with thy soul and with thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Not to, to spite yourself. <laughs> okay. And then Jude 21 through 23, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference in others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. So we see we have a responsibility to others. We're not to sit there to hide our salvation. We're out there to broadcast it. I already brought this up last week about being an alien. We are an alien of this world now. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. We don't belong here. We're here, we're set here by God to take captives and bring them with us. To go out there as that alien is from another country, I'll go out there and, and tell people about our country, 
heaven and get out there and just give that gospel out. Win them. Don't feel bad if they abuse it and say, well, I'm sorry. I says, but I've, I've done this for a while. I've read my Bible. And if you would do it, you'd see how good God is. That He's not that old white-haired guy waiting around the corner for you to come by and hit you in the face with a two-by-four. Because that's some, how some people think of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a great chapter when you learn all about charity. You can read that sometime on your own. But charity is an old English word, uh, the old English word for love, which is superior in usage to the simple word of love. Charity gives us an insight into the greatest aspect of love, which is giving. Also, we give to someone without loving them. And that's what we do just to share the gospel. But you cannot love someone without giving to them. You've got to give them your heart to, to reach out to them and tell them you need a Savior. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time to gather around the Word of God and learn some things about your love, that fruit that was given to us to be used for you. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us, Lord, to continually dwell in your Word and realize it's it's our only communication with you, directly from you to us. And our direct communication is from our hearts to you. And I pray, Lord, you would just bless this time also for the second service. May Jesus Christ be honored and glorified in it. Be with the speaker this day, Lord, and give him utterness to open up doors in our heart that need correction, that need attention by us, that we can serve you better. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.